Do you ever catch yourself wishing you didn't have to stay positive? Or maybe you've been working on keeping a positive mindset for years, but it still feels like a daily battle sometimes. Having a chronic illness means you're being told to stay positive all the time. And let's be honest, it's exhausting. Because pushing ourselves to stay positive is not actually positive. There's a much easier way to get a strong, positive mindset and all of the feel-good perks that come with it without the pressure of looking on the bright side. Check out my free resource, The No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset. In it, I give the straight scoop on strategies that work and common strategies that are a waste of time and energy. Go to andreahansencoaching.com now or use the link in this podcast description and get your free resource, The No BS Guide to a Positive Mindset, today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis. I'm your host, Andrea Hansen. Now, I have to tell you, I'm looking out my window right now, and it is just a blanket of snow. And I won't lie, I'm not ready. (laughs) I am not ready for snow and everything snow brings, but here it is. (laughs) And the first snow really, the first snow is always really special to me. It's, I think it's pretty, it makes everything extra quiet and it makes our healer girl very frisky and very zoomy and that's incredibly cute. So it's fun, but I gotta tell you, we get over it very quickly. (laughs) But for now, I am really, really enjoying it. I don't know if it's snowing where you are, but whatever the weather is outside where you are, I hope that you are enjoying it. Dr. LJ Johnson is who we're talking to this week. She is a women's hormone coach specializing in endometriosis, PCOS, and fibroids. And she's got quite a story, including being one of those peppy morning news fitness coaches that you see. But doing that while she felt like her body was just out of control. And she also worked on The Biggest Loser, that reality show that was on a while ago. She's got stories and a lot of wisdom to share. And her energy is infectious. So if you're like me and you listen to podcasts while you're like hiking or are walking or working out, I bet you're going to get a little bit faster while listening to this because she just brings that much energy. So please enjoy this week's episode and visit andreahansencoaching.com for more on Dr. LJ Johnson, resources we talk about in the show, and transcripts from today's episode. Welcome to the Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis podcast. I'm Andrea Hansen, author, motivational speaker, and master certified coach. When I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I was told I would never reach my goals, but I did. And I'm on a mission to prove that life with a chronic illness can still be expansive and quite remarkable. Everyone has their own unique path. I'm talking to people living with a chronic illness that come from different backgrounds, have different points of view, and are achieving amazing life goals of all kinds to inspire you to achieve what you thought was impossible. These stories are raw, uncensored and judgment-free. Listener discretion is advised. Dr. LJ Johnson holds a PsyD, IHP, FDNP, and IIN, and she is a women's hormone coach specializing in endometriosis, PCOS, and fibroids. LJ has worked in the women's health and fitness industry for over 20 years while overcoming her own diagnosis of endometriosis. 
LJ's passion is to empower, motivate, and educate all women that they too can have quality of life despite their symptoms or diagnosis. Hi, Dr. Johnson. How are you? Hey, hey, Andrea. I am super excited to be here. Just listening to that bio, sometimes it just reminds me, I'm like, baby, it's been a long road, but I'm still, I'm keeping on keeping on. <laughs> Heck yeah, I totally understand. I, I loved reading through it too. I'm just excited that I didn't trip over all of the different acronyms. I know. And you know what? <laughs> acronyms are amazing, but I'm like, look here, I got to eat dinner, you know, pee, poop, do all those things just like <laughs> everyone else. I may know more about all the other stuff in the background, but I'm still human like everyone else, managing chronic illness and seriously just trying to live my best life. Yeah, 100%. So go into that really quickly for people who don't know IHP, FDNP, what is it that you specialized when you were studying? So when I was studying, I specialized more in the mental health, the psychology. Now, and as we talk about my story, I spent more of my time in the beginning in the fitness journey, working on more of the aesthetics of the body, you know, how we're going to look great, how we're going to lose 15 pounds, how we're going to chase that cellulite away, you know, all of those fun things. And then all those initials came as my own body was not responding to all of the stuff that I was traveling. And I was like, Ooh, I think it's time to go back to the, to the drawing board. So that's when I really got into integrated medicine and functional medicine as to not just, you know, what we can do aesthetically, what we can do on the outside, but really getting to the root cause and this metabolic chaos that's going on underneath, trying to figure out like what's really going on because all this stuff on the outside and the fluff, it was no longer working. So it shifted my entire world. I mean, despite the fact that I was managing multiple chronic illnesses, it was a thing of where the education I had really taught me to just treat symptoms and put band-aids on symptoms. And it got to a point where that wasn't even working for me. Like it didn't work for me. So I was like, I can't travel the world telling everyone else about stuff. Stuff that's not even working for me any longer. That makes so much sense that as we go along and are educating ourselves either through school or getting trainings and, all, you know, there's so many things that you can get educated in even outside mm -hmm. of school. As our body changes, as our situation changes, it's like we're pulled towards certain things. And then we realize this is something that helps me understand my body and myself better. And then it also allows me to help other people because we know as much as we'd like to think that we're unique little unicorns, <laughs> if, if we have something going on with our bodies and ourselves, chances are other people are too. Right. That's what I call hiding in plain sight. That's what I was doing. I was hmm. the fitness professional that you've seen on channel nine at 5 a.m. in the morning telling you the fitness move to do, what to balance your hormones, you know, eat this, eat that. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm saying that at 5 a.m. And then at 7 a.m. I'm debilitated by period pain. And I, can't, I can't get off the couch. I can't go to work for the rest of the day, but I appear to have everything mm -hmm. in control. And so a lot of the people that I work with, especially even listening to this podcast, as a chronic illness warrior, we should get an Emmy. We should get an award of how all the acting we have to do. We're acting like everything is okay. You know, everything isn't okay, but we wouldn't dare let anyone know. And so for me, I had to stop hiding in plain sight. I was miserable. I was doing all the right things, but my body just really needed different support. And so the more I tell my story, it's not only, you know, to help others. Yes, I have a business, but it's also for people to realize that you're not crazy just because your doctor doesn't have the answer just because you can't figure it out, just because you need a team of specialists, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken, but 
with what I work with, a lot of people don't talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about period pain and cramps and bloating. Like they're like, okay, girl, you know, you got a uterus, keep pushing past it. But a lot of people don't realize that there is a bigger issue and it's Mm -hmm. not just period pain. It's not just, you know, murder scene periods passing out during your cycle. You know, we normalize those things, but it's like, that's not really how it's supposed to be. Right. Well, and it took you a while to get diagnosed, right? And and I was yeah. watching one of your uh, live streams on uh, your Instagram account, which caveat is fantastic. So I will have it in the show notes. <laughs> Listeners, go check out the, her Instagram. It's fantastic. But you were talking that you actually think that you started developing this at like 14. Yes. So it took me 16 years to get diagnosed. So like you said, with my story, I started my period when I was 12 and it was the whole like, welcome to womanhood. And you're like, okay, you're 12, right? You don't know what that means. You're just like, great. I got to wear like these pads and I'm bleeding and I hope I'm okay. Am I broken? Am I dying? You know, there's all of that. So it was two years of just kind of figuring out my body. And at the age of 14, it went from, you know, just having a period and it being uncomfortable, you know, being a little bloated, you know, maybe pooping and having a little discomfort or being constipated to where I was having debilitating periods. I was not able to concentrate. I was passing out during my cycle. Um, I was not just a little constipated, like my bowels would stop. Every diagnosis I had may have been asthma, allergies, you know, sinus issues, all of that. One Once I got close to my cycle, it was like none of my medications worked. So for example, that inhaler that I could have puffed on, you know, when the asthma was bothering me and I was working out, you know, seasonal allergies, it would be fine. Come close to my cycle, inhalers wouldn't work. Prednisone wouldn't work. Like my body was so inflamed that my regular maintenance medication was no longer good enough. And so that was the biggest turning point for me. I had already been dealing with asthma and allergies. I had already been dealing with, you know, chronic pain. But when it came to my cycle, I mean, I was bleeding all the time. I'd be bleeding outside of my cycle. I got to where I was having chronic pelvic pain all the time. So it wasn't just like, oh, I got a little PMS. I got a little butt lightning. I'm like, chronic pelvic pain 24 seven and always felt like there were pens and needles dancing on my bladder. I always was constipated. There was not enough water and fiber and teas in Mm -hmm. the world to get my bowels to move. Um, You know, I was coughing up blood on my period. I was, you know, having nosebleeds on my period. It was just all of these things. And so as I even describe it right now, people are like, oh, it's just a period problem. You know, if we would just turn that period off, you'd be better. But the thing was, is I had endometriosis, which is not a reproductive disorder. It's not a bad period. It's not a, you know, period problem. It was systemic inflammation throughout my entire body and that hormonal imbalance fluctuated with my hormones, which exasperated my situation. So it was 16 years of chasing all of these symptoms and then finally one day being able to connect all of those dots. That must be so hard, especially as a young girl, first Mm -hmm. getting your period, dealing with all of those hormones, dealing with every, I mean, that's middle school, that's high school, like that's crazy with all of the things that we go through Mm -hmm. in that age. On top of that, you're dealing with these very abnormal things that are happening. My, My hunch is people were telling you like, oh, it's your period. Nobody likes their period. It's horrible. Of course you have cramps, right? Mm-hmm. What helped you get through that? Well, the biggest thing for me is when I was in pain, I reached out to my mother and as a black woman, as a woman of color, I was set down very quickly and told that I didn't get to complain about pain. You know, it was not real. I was not feeling the pain. I needed to be a strong black woman and keep pushing past it. And so, you know, I bought it to an extent, but then it was trying to explain to my mom, like, 
there are days I can't walk. Like I hear what you're saying, but black woman, white, purple, green, I don't care what you're talking about. Like there's something wrong with my body. So there was a lot of dismissiveness that I had to deal with, not only in my childhood, you know, going into college, you know, young adulthood, all of that. There was a dismissive nature from my family, my mother, but also from medical professionals. So for me, I honestly just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I didn't care that, you know, everyone was saying it was a period problem. Cause then once again, I'm talking to my other friends, they're not passing out, you know, in the bathtub during their period. They're not, you know, constipated for two weeks with their period. They're not coughing up blood on their period. So I was like, okay, there's something different going on with my body. So it really just forced me, especially in my profession where I, you know, my gift and calling is to help other people heal themselves naturally. But I'm like, look here, honey, you can't even heal yourself. Like there's something not right. And so it was, it was very hard. I'll be very honest. I didn't have the support, the community, all the things I offer now is because I wanted all that stuff when I was younger. You know, I didn't have podcasts to listen to. I didn't have a clubhouse room. I didn't have Instagram, you know, telling me that it was okay to talk about period pain and bloating and all of these like mystery illnesses. And so for me, Personally, I'm a researcher. I like to do the research. I like to do the, do the due diligence. So I think it was a little easier for me to kind of figure out, you know, what was going on, some of my medical background. But essentially, like I said, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of people telling me it was all in my head. I got tired of not being able to go to work, not be able to take care of my children, not being able to run. I have a business. I mean, let's be honest, when you're an entrepreneur, you're running your business in the very beginning. You don't have a VA. You don't have an assistant. You don't have a team. You can't show up in your own business. Like you're, you're, you know, you can't do anything. You're not making any money. So I just got tired of opportunities in life passing me by. And I really had to just kind of step back from my practice, step back from what I was doing and just go back to the drawing board. Like I said, you know, everyone thought I was this healthy image because I was the person they watched on the news every morning in Colorado, but it was anything but that. Like I was suffering. Mm -hmm. Every single day, every single day. And so that suffering, it sounds like you were trying to get the the chronology here. You went to school, you you got your your PsyD, you started your business, you were doing a lot of health and fitness type right, things. Right. And you but you still were dealing with not knowing what was going on with your body and trying to figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started off really, really strong in the fitness industry. So most people real, you know, know me from fitness on the rocks, or like I said, you know, giving fitness tips on channel nine every morning in Colorado, all of these things. And so what happened is as my education progressed, like, yes, it helped in my healing journey. Yes, I was all into fitness. Yes, I was teaching everyone all these things. But it got to a point where it was not working for me. So despite my education, despite all of the initials and all that fun stuff, it's like, okay, what I'm peddling, for example, the whole, if you want to lose weight, cut back on your calories. Well, I had already cut back on my calories and I was a fitness professional. I was doing all the things and I was gaining weight. I mean, there's nothing more humbling than going to a conference and someone congratulating you and asking you when you're due and you're having to explain to them that you're just super inflamed and puffy and you're bloated and it's endometriosis. Like there's nothing very, <laughs> there's nothing fun about that. People are like, what do you do? And you're like, uh, this isn't even my food, baby. This is my bloated hormonal. I don't know what's wrong with my body. belly. Right. It was like that what started happening to me. So it started affecting not only like my physical health, but my mental health. I started to question my own sanity. Like, is there really something wrong with me? You know, I'd walk around saying things like, I hate my body. I hate my uterus once again, because I was being told that it was a period problem. You know, I was doing birth control. I was doing all of these things. And so, you know, my education progressed, 
But it's interesting as my education progressed, it's like my health, my health failed even the more, right? The stress of graduating. I mean, I graduated high school when I was 15 years old, I went straight to college at 15. There's a lot of pressure. I made, I didn't make my first C I think into my master's program. So, you know, academics and all of those things were very great for me. It was easy for me, but my health, you know, the stress, you know, coming from a strong military family, that type A always being perfect, that perfectionism. I mean, it was tearing my health apart. Was there anything that you relied on at either like a mindset tool or was there a go-to that helped you get through that portion where you were doing really, really well in your business and in your career, your body was, you know, going the other way. It sounds like you're torn between two polar opposites. Were there go-to tools that you used that helped you just in your day-to-day? That's an amazing question. I love that. First thing, I know people are like, give us the supplement, tell us the tea. I'm sorry, it's not that sexy. It was mindset. And that is one of the main thing I work with my patients right now. You know, yes, I can tell you the juice cleanse, you know, I can tell you this, that, and the other, we can change your diet, all of that. But the first thing is, is I had to believe that I could truly heal myself. I had to actually believe it. And it's hard. Let me tell you, when you wake up in the morning and you're crawling back and forth to the bathroom, it's really hard to, you know, look on your affirmations or, you know, say your affirmations. I feel amazing today and nothing's it. Yeah. That's all fine and great, but you can't walk, right? It's going to take a little bit more than thinking positive thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Really just hone in and be like, all right, this is what I'm dealing with, but I deserve health. I want more, you know, it was almost comparing myself. I hate to, to other people. Like they're functioning just fine. They're raising their children. They're going to work. Like I've got to find what works for me. So it was a lot of mindset work. I mean, mm-hmm. there were days I'd get up and say my affirmations and I didn't feel amazing. Right. I woke up to a murder scene period. You know, I've got to like change my sheet. Like you're already running late to work, right? You're already st- stressed out. And let's be honest, you got to change your clothes, change your sheets, shower, all of this stuff, like every morning. Cause you have this, you know, period issue. You think that's just debilitating. So number one for me, I had to really like speak it and manifest it. No matter what my body was doing every day, it was like reminding myself, I deserve to be healthy. Now, what healthy looks like for me may be different than you, that may be different than 10 other people on the podcast that are listening. But I was like, I deserve health, right? Secondly, I had to get a community. And so I love community. And I could talk about this one for an entire different podcast (laughs) because community is so important. But what I will say is you need to find the right type of community. Now, I have had a chronic illness community, not just with people that deal with endometriosis, but just chronic illness because chronic illness is chronic, right? The support Mm -hmm. you're going to need when you're 15, you're going to need support at 25. I'm 43. I still need support. Your girl going to need some support at 62. It just is what it is. But what I will say is as I progressed along my journey, my community had to change. And so sometimes what I would realize is that the community, for example, that helped me raise my two young children as a single mother and get me through the divorce was not the community I needed to really step up my business and my healing. That was not the community I needed to do what I'm doing now. And so I encourage people to, you know, make sure you're doing the affirmations and the mindset, find your community, but also be aware that sometimes you outgrow your community. And if you stay in that old community, I hate to say it. And I know some people are like tuning me out right now, but I'm like, nope. Stick with me. Nope. if you stay with your community sometimes too long and you do not feel that community is pushing you to your next best self, the community is not, you know, bringing out the best in you, then it's become a toxic community. And at that point, you need to find a new community. So it was a lot of mindset and a lot of community. 
So I I love what you said there, and I just want to reiterate one of the things that I think can be hard for people because you know I'm a I'm all about mindset as a mindset coach. That is the just the go to. I think mindset is so freaking important, and a lot of people have problems with it because when you're saying things like "I deserve health" or "This is going to be great" and "I'm going to get through this," it can be so hard to believe. But belief is what is necessary when it comes to mindset, right? We can't just tell ourselves a bunch of things that our brain is just going to start saying, nope, that's not true. So I love that you said, instead of saying, no, things are great, it's, this is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is what I can have. And starting there, because it's the idea of moving towards something. If you can't look at what's going on right now and think, this is fabulous. I'm so grateful. If you can't do that, that's okay. You're not like out of the mindset game. Look at what you can believe. If you believe that you deserve better, if you believe that you deserve health, if you believe that you deserve healing, Mm -hmm. that's where you can go and that's where you can start. And the second thing that you said that I love is something that people don't always think about, which is your community, which is so important, can change. I did the same thing. And I know I had a community when I was first diagnosed, but it was in my 20s. And in general, so much changes, right, Mm -hmm. in your 20s. And so I had a hard time because I knew that I had to change my community. And it kind of organically started to change because I was being just drawn towards different people and away from some people. But I felt like I was not being loyal. I felt like I was turning my back on people. I thought I was being rude. I was like all of these judgments came when I just organically was changing communities and I didn't realize, no, this is 100% normal because a lot of times what got you to one point is not going to be what gets you to the next point. And so I love that you brought that up because I think it's such an important thing that a lot of people don't think about, that it's totally cool to not only change yourself and change things that you're doing just with your own healing, but changing the people around you. It it is. It's huge. And I think some people are really for community and they're like, I see the power in community or there are people like, I don't, you know, I see no power in the community. Right. And so the, I, you know, no power in a community you're in one, but then those who love community, sometimes I feel like they get stuck. And like you said, the community, even me recently, I've just moved. I made a huge transition, but I also had a big shift in my healing journey. I had to remove myself from the community that I had, you know, that helped me raise my children when I was getting divorced, you know, helped me through the divorce, helped me through the beginning of my healing journey. That no longer served me. That became toxic to me. That actually started pushing me back. And once again, chronic illness, you know, th- my life is riding on this. Like I almost lost my life two years ago due to mold exposure and all these other things on top of the me- chronic illnesses I was already managing. So I had to really pull myself back from my community and reevaluate. And I had to just really admit that the community that had gotten me through the last 15, 20 years is not the community that has been helping me these next two years and will put me in the next 20 years of my journey. And so it- it's a scary place. Like you said, you're like, who do I call? Who do I text? Where do I go? But sometimes you have to just kind of pull back and reevaluate. And once again, it's chronic illness. So it's going to be there. You know, don't worry. The diagnosis, honey, it's going to be there. You're you're good to go, 
right? It's your community that sometimes will need to fluctuate. And that's the same thing with nutrition. What I do now to heal myself naturally and really keep my endometriosis in remission is not what I did, you know, 10 years ago. It's not even what I did two years ago. As your body develops and changes and evolves, you get wiser and stronger. You have to make those shifts. And I think that's something, I mean, I feel like I may be just like rabbit holing, but give me just a no, second. No, you're not. I, it's, this is amazing. Yeah. It's like when you're in chronic illness, people are like, all right, these are the vitamins I took. This mm-hmm. is what I did in 1998, you know, right. and now you're in 2022 and it's not working. And you're like, well, that's why, you know, all natural doesn't work. Is it that all natural doesn't work or do you need to get a fresh set of eyes on the situation? You know, it's kind of like the workout. Are you still doing the workout? You know, that from Jane Fonda, she's amazing, <laughs> but I bet your body has changed. And if you're still doing that same, you know, VHS workout, your body stopped responding after six weeks. So you really have to just... Yeah pivot as your body changes because with chronic illness, there's going to be the ups and downs. There's going to be the five steps forward, the 18 back, you know, it's just, you want to be making some movement. I just think sometimes when, like you said, as a mindset coach, like you are, your mindset is so just broken or you don't have that community to where you're not moving at all. You're stagnant. And I think Mm -hmm. when you're managing chronic illness, the stagnation, I mean, I'd almost rather be going back a few steps and knowing that I'm moving rather than just stagnant. Because I think at that point, if you're not going forward, you're not going back, you honestly, you begin to drown. Yeah, I I agree. I think being flexible is one of the biggest tools to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, I always backtrack it, right? Like just in life, it's one of the biggest tools to have. And then you add chronic illness on top of that and it becomes a hundred times more important. But I think just keeping one eye on what are we doing is it working? Like always evaluating, always mm-hmm. being, like you said, being the researcher, but of our own bodies and our own situation, our own environments, our own community, all of that. Keeping an eye on like, okay, is this helping me? Is this holding me back? Is this giving me energy? Is this sucking energy? Do I feel like I'm moving at all? Do I feel like I'm stagnant? It's constantly asking these questions and not to the point where I don't love the idea. I mean, I'm a coach, right? But I don't love the community of coaching because a lot of times it gets so focused on you've got to level up. You've got to just do it. You've got to be all in. Let's fucking go. You know, it's all of this. And that's not what I'm saying because I don't think that's helpful either to always be pushing yourself forward, but always evaluating yourself to knowing that, like you said, you're not stagnant, Mm -hmm. knowing if you're moving backwards and knowing why and what the change is and being willing to change anything from the supplements to the food to the types of workouts that you have to the doctors that you have to the community that you have it's you know it's all it's all in flow like none of that is just going to stay the same throughout even even close relationships that you're going to be in right i mean being married for years and years and years like that relationship is going to change over time and it can be in a good way, but it's still something that changes. And so getting used to things like pivoting and flexibility, I think are so, so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you said something earlier that I want to highlight again and actually just ask a question because I was very curious about it. So endometriosis, you've said this is not a period problem, but it sounds like that's how a lot of people view it. Do you think that is one of the things that stands in the way of getting it diagnosed, having people listen to you, having people take you seriously? 
all of those things, all the things that you said, it's the misconception that it's a reproductive issue. It's the misconception that it's just a period. It's a misconception that like, oh, she's just a weak woman. She can't manage it. So let's talk about what is endometriosis. Endometriosis is uterine-like tissue found outside of the uterus. So it is not uterine lining. It's not retrograde period. I'm going to say that again because a lot of people are like, what? I thought it was period blood. If it was, it'd be a lot easier for us, but it is not. So endometriosis is uterine-like tissue found outside of the uterus. It is hormonally driven. These lesions also create their own hormones and really have an impact on your period. It is a hormonal imbalance. It is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. So remember, those lesions can be outside of your uterus or they are outside of your uterus. So they could be in your knees. They could be in your shoulder. I've had some in my lungs. I had some removed from my sinuses. They can be anywhere in your body outside of your uterus. When you are having those issues, it will cause inflammation throughout your entire body. It can fuse your organs. It also has autoimmune-like factors. So for many of us that deal with endometriosis, you know, we call ourselves endo-warriors because we, once again, we're at war and that's a whole another thing because my goal is to have endo warriors go from endo warrior to endo conqueror but circling back mm. to the definition you are fighting that chronic systemic inflammation 24 7 all the time so your body is inflamed so it is not a period problem and a lot of people that deal with endometriosis have a lot i mean severe severe health issues outside of the period right so the murder scene period and the cramping and the bleeding yes that is very much present but endometriosis is a full body disease and so it is the fact that the medical community i hate to say it it's just like oh it's a period issue you know lj just has a bad period you know no LJ doesn't have just a bad period. You know, what's going on? Are these endometriosis lesions are fusing my organs? You know, it's causing bleeding. Like I said, I would have nosebleeds. I'd be coughing up blood. These lesions are throughout my body. And that inflammation is attacking my entire system, right? So for example, when you twist your ankle, yeah, yeah, your ankle hurt, but typically, you know, there's inflammation going on. There's just discomfort, right? Your body is fighting that. But when you're dealing with endometriosis, it's like that twisted ankle, but it's like a broken ankle that you can't get set, you can't fix with surgery, and it's affecting your entire body and you're dealing with it every day. Your body is always trying to heal that ankle. So with endometriosis, your body is constantly fighting these lesions that can spread and cause all of this damage throughout your entire body. So while you're not being diagnosed, it's causing all of this damage throughout your body tons of damage. Not to mention that some have silent endometriosis. So they have zero pain whatsoever. They don't know there's an issue until they're maybe on their fertility journey, not getting pregnant. They go in and their doctor's like, oh yeah, there's endometriosis everywhere. So for me, mine was not silent. I was definitely having a lot. Oh my gosh, a lot, a lot of pain. But mm -hmm. other people that have endometriosis may have no pain whatsoever, yet it started you know, having other issues with their body. So once you're diagnosed, what is able to change? Like, is there treatment? Is there sur like, there's surgery? I'm sure. Like, what is there that that changes the prognosis? That's a really great question. So the golden standard, as far as I'm concerned, with all the controversy out there, the con the golden standard to be diagnosed with endometriosis is a laparoscopic procedure. They actually go in and diagnose it and see the endometriosis lesions. You cannot be diagnosed through an ultrasound. You know, sometimes they can see it in an MRI, but unfortunately, laparoscopic procedure actually going in, having the procedure, you know, the two or three cuts 
going in and looking, that is the golden standard to have it diagnosed. That does not remove endometriosis, even though they may biopsy, take a little out, clean out what they can. That is not the golden standard for removal, just for diagnosis. The golden standard to have it removed is excision surgery done by an excision specialist. Now, unfortunately, there are millions and millions of people that deal with endometriosis. And when I say a handful, I'm talking about maybe 250 max excision surgeons. Now, there are OB-GYNs that go in and do endosurgeries. I personally would not recommend that. I mean, once again, I know you have to deal with your budget, your insurance, and what is available because it's not extremely accessible. But excision surgery, I'm going to say that again because I know some of you are like, what? Once again, go to my Instagram. We have lots of information on there. DM me, book a call, get on a free discovery call. We can talk about it more. But excision surgery done by an endometriosis excision surgeon is the golden standard to have it removed. The, base, the best way to explain that excision surgery is kind of like when you're picking weeds. You actually get down on your hands and knees and you like pull out that root. That is excision surgery. You're excising, removing the endometriosis lesions. That needs to be done by an endo surgeon that eat, sleeps, and breathes endo. Because what looks like endo to them, they're going to recognize immediately. And OB, they could totally overlook it, right? Nothing against them. It's just not their specialty, their training. So excision surgery is actually removing it. What typically happens is people get ablation. And that's kind of like mowing the weeds, right? You can mow your lawn every Friday until you get down on your hands and knees and just put your back into it. Let's be honest, right? Those weeds are going to come back every week. Right. So that's the same thing with ablation. It's just burning the uterine lining. Once again, not going to do you a ton of good because remember in the beginning of our definition, endo is outside of the uterus. So burning the inside of your uterus. So like you said, there's just a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, yeah. Just trying to sweep it under the period rug because, you know, if we sweep it under the period rug, we can do ablation. If we sweep it under the period rug, we can just be like, LJ, you're fine. Just take your birth control and stop complaining. However, many of us are put on hormonal birth control, different procedures, et cetera. It doesn't really change our situation because it's not a contraception issue. It's not a period issue. It's something way bigger than that. Right. Something that I'm reminded of is with MS, with multiple sclerosis, you'll have a flare-up. And if it's a big enough flare-up, you know you're having a flare-up. Um, and you can go in and it's like you're praying. You're like, maybe it's not it. Maybe it's something else. And it's almost like... If somebody wanted to tell me like, no, you're fine, there would be a part of me sometimes. And, you know, I never would do it, but I was very aware that there would be a part of me that would be like, okay, great. It's not that. Okay. I trust mm -hmm. you. I'm going to go home and not do anything because you said, you know, like I, I was always very aware that if somebody else would just tell me that it was nothing to worry about, it would be a little bit of a... um I don't know the word, not like a comfort, but like a- It just, is. It's, it's an odd comfort. Yeah. But then on the other side, you're like, great, it's not anything. But then I would do the same thing, but I'd be like, but it has to be something because yeah. I haven't been to work all week. So I just got my emergency appointment on Thursday. I've missed all the last week of work. I've missed right. three days this week. I'm being threatened with a write-up, but I but I swear there's something going on, but you just told me there isn't. But, yeah, um, there's yeah. that other side of us that kind of goes, oh, hell no, that's not. <laughs> something's not that's adding not, up here. Something's not right. <laughs> Something is not right. And then, you know, you can get to that point where you're like, okay, you got to put your foot down because it's just too much. But, but I get it. It's just, it's always interesting, I think, to think about the different the different ways we can go in and the different conversations we can have and the different just paths that we can all go on when it comes to 
to chronic illness and treating the chronic illness. And it's on it. I hate to say it. It's like a full-time job that we didn't sign up for. There is no 401 yes. attached. There are no additional benefits. Do not pass go. You're not going to collect $200. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. But accepting that, like you said, getting that mindset, getting the community, and then the next thing, plugging in with coaches like ourselves that are going to get you straight to the money. I'm all for DIY. I love to look at YouTube and Pinterest and be like, Ooh, I could do all these things, but let's be honest. Baby, some of those things, I don't know what I'm doing. I do not know. And there's no need for me to go in a circle. And I did that with my healing journey. And I, as I say this, it thinks it makes me think of a series of Instagram reels I need to do of how I made the mistakes, how I did a lot of this on my own. And it just had me going in a circle versus getting a coach, which was going to get me straight to the money. But mm-hmm. part of it was realizing that I didn't know everything. Part of it was also realizing that like, I need help, but that's hard to kind of come to that. I need help when you're on top of the world and every area of your life, but your health, it's like, you don't even kind of want to admit because you're like, I'm running this major company. I'm over here making the money moves. I'm mm-hmm. like the boss babe, but it's like, okay, all these things are amazing, but you have this one pile that's not amazing. So it's almost like crap. Okay. Maybe I'm not superwoman. Maybe I do need some help. And that's where I, like I said, sick and tired of being sick and tired. So you touched on it. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you made during your journey? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'll call myself out in a heartbeat. So I'm like, this is a good question. Um, mistake number one, I thought that I could, cause I was having a lot of the hormonal issues. I thought I could out exercise the hormonal imbalance. You know, if I'm gaining weight, don't worry. I'll just teach another cycle class. Uh, I'm gaining weight. Don't worry. I'll just restrict my calories, my nutrition. And this is the thing. I'm a nutritionist. So it wasn't just, I was just picking out cookie cutter diets. It was honestly all of that old education of the, you know, eat six meals a day, rev up your metabolism. Oh, if you've got a little extra waistline, oh, you're gaining some weight, kick in a little more cardio. It was honestly all that education (laughs) that got me. I needed to really just like pull back and realize that this archaic way of, you know, calories in calories out, we're going to out exercise the weight, you know, the spot treatment, you know, what are the exercises I can do to slim my stomach? Okay. I mean, I guess you could do some of these exercises, but let's be honest, if you're not pooping two, three times a day, if you're estrogen dominant and your hormones are jacked up, there's no amount of like crunches that you're going to be able to do. So it was a lot of that realization of like, okay, some of this training that I had to just do the aesthetic stuff wasn't really going to help me with the root cause stuff. So I kind of had to, you know, step out of that industry. Um, you know, I worked for the extreme weight loss show, biggest loser. I mean, I was doing some of that stuff behind the scenes. So I knew all the, the aesthetic stuff, but at the end of the day, 10, 15 years later, I hate to say it. You haven't quite seen a reunion, have you? Because some of the things we were doing were not lifestyle changes. That's like a whole nother podcast we could do. Right. Not lifestyle changes, chasing the aesthetics rather than getting to the metabolic chaos, rather than figuring out what's the emotional component, what's going on, you know, in physical, financial. There's so many things. So the biggest thing, like I said, hopefully that answers one of my big things. Yeah. Nutrition. Some yeah. of the training I had, I had to let that stuff go. The other thing, when you're highly motivated, type A and educated, we're just like, baby, we got this, you know, like it just is, you know, I'm helping other people. How I can, can handle I this. Help, right. <laughs> I got this. You're like I'm at the top of my game. Okay. Yeah, maybe so. And then you're like, I'm going to DIY it. And so what I did is I went from pharmaceuticals, right? 
pills for every ill. I just switched over to natural and guess what? I had a supplement for every symptom, still not getting to the root cause. And so the more training I got, I was kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I could take 10 supplements for my gas and bloating and my belly weight, or I could do some GI mapping, you know, look at some stool samples, which is not all that fun, but really get to like what's going on with my gut. So then I'm not always gassy and bloated, you know, oh, I guess I could take some ashwagandha, you know, or whatever for my mood. Oh, but it'd probably be better to just check my hormones and see that my detox pathway is clogged and figure that out. So it was all of a sudden, the more training I got, I was like, uh, baby, you just moved from one problem to the next. A bunch of supplements or a bunch of pharmaceuticals. Now you have a bunch of supplements and you're still chasing, which is why I do what I do now. Because I'm like, I've been there. You know, I have no problem investing in myself, you know, going to a naturopath, going here, going there. You know, you get past a like, I know everything, but it's like I was DIYing. And that is probably the biggest thing. I mean, I've did so many things wrong, but those would be the biggest two. And the biggest thing I see now, especially with social media and so many outlets to share your story, you know, give your little tidbits and this, that, and the other. But here's the thing, the things that helped me put my endometriosis in remission, and that has really accelerated my healing journey, you know, helped me get past the mold exposure where I almost died of mold and all of those things. That protocol, if I typed it all out and handed it to you, may or may not work. And what happens is we're on social media. We've got Dr. Google, the girl on Pinterest, the chick on TikTok who's sponsoring a vitamin that she's never taken, but she's cute. Therefore, she's making 20 grand. Now she's TikTok and got you buying the vitamin, knowing nothing about it. That DIY approach is honestly what's throwing a lot of people into a healing crisis. And I did it myself, right? I was just like taking bits and pieces, trying to do it on my own. And it just really was not serving me. That's like my long answer to that. <laughs> no, it was, I think it's a perfect answer because I think a lot of people can really resonate with that. Number one, thinking that we're looking at a holistic approach with doing the pharmaceuticals, which I agree, there's nothing wrong. I'm totally cool with pharmaceuticals, but then you're doing the supplements, which again, supplements are great too. And you feel like that's what's going to work. And let's look mm -hmm. at this article over here and, oh, let's look at this person talking about it. And let's look at this video about it. And let's start adding things in thinking that that's what's going to help us. And if it's not working, it's just something else needs to be added. Mm -hmm. And that's mowing the lawn. It's not getting to the root issue of what's going on. And a lot of times if you get to the root issue, so many of those can be cut out because it's not actually what you needed. I mean, I get it. I did the same thing. I would go through all these different trainers that had all these oh, different really cool things that they were into. And uh, I mean, I could just list off 20 different things, 20 different paths that I went down and... It doesn't help because that wasn't getting at the root cause. So I think it's, I think it's a really important thing to talk about, and I think it's, it's something that a lot of people can resonate with. Absolutely. And I think another thing I just thought about: I know asking for help can be really hard, but realizing that we can't see ourselves the way other people can see us, and sometimes that's a really good tool to use is, you know, somebody else is going to be able to see so many different things that we're going to overlook because of our own biases or just because we're in our own heads. And so when you're working with somebody, somebody who knows what they're doing, right? Like I'm not Absolutely. saying let's just randomly go to somebody <laughs> <laughs> or like ask your best friend. That's not what I'm talking about. But going to somebody like you, if they have um, endometriosis and they're looking at things, going to somebody else that can really not just call out things that you didn't even see, but just mirror back things that you say or talk about all the time and 
completely have not realized that it's a really big clue. And I think having that mirror back at you is, I, I think it's priceless. It can definitely shift your trajectory. It can definitely just kind of shift you to where you need to be. And sometimes maybe it's not a huge shift. Like sometimes, you know, I've had people just even do a free discovery call with me and not even work with me and just say something. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this. And they're like, oh, I never even thought of it that way. Like it could be something that simple. And that's why I always, even, you know, the podcast, it's just listening to this and getting that motivation, finding your community, finding your why, and just really deciding like, okay, this is my diagnosis or diagnosis, you know, you've got a long list. And then this is what I deserve. What's going to help me get from A to B? I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, simple, but not simple, but it's like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with, but what are the next steps? And I think sometimes we get the motivation, you know, coming up on a new year, we're excited, whatever. And it's like, okay, but then you have all that energy and you don't know where to direct it. And so it's really just, once again, you know, setting up that mindset and getting that community and then really just getting the support that you need. That's going to take you straight to the money rather than the hamster wheel that could just take years and really do nothing for you, to be honest. So tell me about now that you are getting to the root of what's going on and really paying attention to your health in a different way. You have that diagnosis, but you still have a business. So what's the difference? Like you said, it's a full-time job. Lord knows our our chronic illness is a full-time job. So how do you manage that now to be able to keep your health in check and run a business? I love that question. The biggest thing is recognizing my go, go, go high energy that you may have picked up over the mic, right? Possibly. Going, going, right? <laughs> Always going, but realizing that my body needs rest. And I think that was the biggest thing for me because once I got better, you know, then you're going balls to the wall, you're working these crazy hours. And so what would happen is I'd be kicking butt January, February, and March. All of a sudden, my body's like, oh, you don't want to take care of us? Cool. April ain't going to look so good for you, right? Then I'd crash and then I'd come back for May, but then that's my birthday month. So then I'd overdo it. And so it really taught me to listen to my body, to turn my period into my superpower, to work with my cycle, to, for example, you know, when you're feeling more outgoing, you know, that's when I'm doing all the reels and the TikToks and this, that, and the other. And then also honoring that when I'm on my cycle or when I'm in a different season to kind of sit back and nourish myself. The thing is, is I was always pouring from my cup, but then eventually my cup was empty. And so I had to learn, you know, as I'm running a business and managing chronic illness, I can't always, you know, blame the low energy. Oh, oh, it's my endo. Oh, it's this, that, and the other. No, it's not me slowing down and really listening to my body. You know, we say we listen to our body. You know, we're coaching our patients, you know, listen to your body, your clients do all. And then it's like, we're not drinking water. You know, it's, it's been an eight hour day and we've had 10 ounces of water. We've, we're living on coffee, but we're telling everyone else, right? So it was like, oh uh, yeah. So I had to kind of realize like, okay, If I'm taking care of others, that is fine and amazing, but I also need to implement that self-care and slow down. That was one of the biggest things. The other thing is I really focus on my why because when I wake up and maybe I don't feel amazing. Yeah. Like I'll be honest this morning, I woke up and I had a pinch of a headache, but I'm doing some detoxing. So it could have been like the, Oh my God, you know, now what? Oh, I don't, you know, I'm going to have to cancel. And it's like, yeah, I could have did that, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to cancel. I am good. I'm going to get up and do my lemon water, do what I need to do. You know, worst case scenario, if I have to cancel, I will. But it was like, I'm not going to let just waking up and the symptoms be somewhat present, knock me into a whole spiral. I have to just choose 
that today is the day. Maybe my energy is 100%. Maybe it's 50%. But using what I have, and I think as a business owner when managing chronic illness, like the days that we feel amazing, yes, we need to put in 110%, but not overdo it. Because what happens is we'll overdo it. And then we get burnt out on our bodies like, oh, you want to ignore us again? Mm, guess you'll be back in the hospital with the flare. Then we recover from the flare. Then we come back 110%. So for me, I know how to regulate my energy now. It's not that I'm not giving 110%, but I know that just because I'm feeling amazing, I'm not going to work a 16-hour day run my body into the ground. But before I would do that. And then when I'd crashed, it was all my chronic illnesses problem. And it's right. like, oh, is it that? Or is it that you're not regulating your energy? You're not aware. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things for me. I love it. It's like you just talked about my life right there. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> We've all been there. Tr- it's very true. Yeah. It's like you get excited because you've got that energy and you got that focus. And then you do all the things. And then you need like a couple of days. And you know, for me, what I had to, it's so funny because I'm such a rule breaker. (laughs) I've always been a rule breaker (laughs) and it helps me a lot. But for some reason, when I was setting up my own business, I was like, oh, okay. They said I needed to do five posts a day. I needed to do this every day. I needed to do two hours of that every day. And And I so easily fell into that trap of, (laughs) I'm not going to get a good, you know, my business going if I don't do all of these things that people say. And that is not something that is congruent with energy <laughs> and the roller coaster of energy that you can have, especially when you have a chronic illness. And so that was one of the big things for me was to be able to step back and say, no, that that is crap advice. Honestly, that's kind of crap advice just anyway, but especially for someone with a chronic illness. Especially because it, with chronic illness. Yeah. It makes you push into something that's just, it's a mold that is not going to fit for you at and all. And it's not authentic and it won't last. Right. It may last for a year. Maybe it'll get you through the beginning of your business, but sure enough, right when it's time to level up or whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. your body's going to crash. And then once you come back, it's like you're starting your business all over, right? right? You went from posting five times a day and stressed out about that to not being able to post for five months. And you, you know, people don't know who you are. You come back and you just start all over again. Right. And then it's like that whole busybody thing. So it's also the mental health portion of that, knowing that managing a chronic illness, physical health is probably the first thing that we, is always on our mind. But if your mental health is not where it needs to be, your spiritual health, those have to all be in balance. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I am sure there are people listening right now that are in that mode where they're thinking, you know what, I am focusing more on the outside and I need to be focusing more on the inside. I've been going to the supplements. I've been going through the you know crazy nutrition diets. I've been going through the working out in 80 different ways to try to manage this and it's just not working, clearly I need to pivot. Clearly I need to start looking at what the root is. Where does somebody start? The first thing you have to do is something we've already said is make it up in your mind, decide in your mind. I repeat, decide in your mind that you deserve something better. You deserve health. And then step back And also allow yourself to just take it in that it may look different than it does for everyone else. You deserve health, but it's going to look a little different because you're managing chronic illness. And then set up your goals. Because I think sometimes it's like, well, I just want to feel better. I don't want to be in pain. Okay, why don't you want to be in pain? 
Why do you want to feel better? Is it because you want to have more time with your family? Is it because you want to start a family? Is it because you have this amazing business and you know, you're paying these, I mean, let's talk about it. Real talk. You're paying all these monthly subscriptions. You're paying for all these things in your business and you don't have two nickels drug together because you haven't got a client. Like, why do you want to feel better? Like what truly is your why? And then I feel like once you break that down and you're like, this is my why, this is why I want to do what I want to do. Then sit back and see what support and what help and what training you need to take you to that next level. Ugh, I think that's so good. And it's so different from what a lot of people hear because it's not often where people think mm-hmm. it's where you need to start. It's true. Because they're like, oh, what nutrition plan? Right. What do you, you're on Amazon app right now looking for the supplement. You're waiting for me to tell you what's going to kick the brain fog. Yes. And I'm like, I'm telling you, it's bigger than that. But if you get the foundation right, it's sturdy. It's steady. You can build from there. It's just, we try to do the quick stuff that, you know, that's unstable. Mm-hmm. And then you're always chasing another gimmick. So I know it's not as sexy as a start that you want, but it will bring the results. Look, I often see that the real results do not come from the big, huge, sexy, oh, this is it, magic pill kind of a thing. It right. starts with the sometimes frustrating thing of saying, you just got to sit back and look at your why. Because sometimes you're like, that's not going to work. That's not enough. But it's little tiny steps like that that make the biggest changes. Why do you not want to be in pain? That I think is a genius question because that is not a question that people ask because of course I don't want to be in pain. Why is there even a why here? But looking at it on that level can just change your trajectory so much. It's breaking it down. Like you said, the, the quick fixes, the Amazoning your health, you know, the DIYing all that, you know, pay an extra two ninety nine, get it tomorrow. That stuff's not going to work for us. Like we really need to slow it down and get more granular. Um, you know, I think people love doing vision boards, you know, at the beginning of the year, but it's like for chronic illness, we need that vision board. Probably I'd say every six months, reevaluating what that vision looks like, reevaluating what your health is looking like. But if you have that, why it's, it's just so much easier. You know, it's funny. It reminds me, I was talking to a friend who also has a business and she was talking about a five-year plan. And I was like, I have not had a five-year plan at any point in my entire life. (laughs) I'm like, maybe I'll do a year plan, maybe. And the second half of that year is going to be a little sketchy. (laughs) We may have to shift and pivot. We are managing chronic illness, invisible illnesses here. Shift. (laughs) We we need to be flexible, like you were saying. Flexibility. Exactly right. Well, Dr. LJ Johnson, thank you so much. I have loved having you on. I know people are taking notes and learning so, so much. And you've given them so many things to think about. So thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Did I lie? Dr. LJ Johnson is great. And so many nuggets that we can take with us and start right now. My very favorite thing that she talked about was getting to the root of the issue. Now I'm a very visual person. So the analogy of mowing the lawn versus getting the weeds up by the root was so helpful for me. Now, I know that sometimes getting to the root of an issue seems like a ton of work. And sometimes just mowing over the top of something to soothe the symptoms can be really tempting. And sometimes treating the symptoms is all we can do in the moment, right? But she's so right that in order to truly heal, we need to stop focusing on treating the symptoms and start focusing on the actual problem. And look, as with all great advice, this goes for anything in life. Yes, it goes for our health, but it could also go for our relationships, our career path, our money, 
our finances. Anywhere we see symptoms, there's a root underneath that is causing them to grow. And often all we need to do is get quiet and just tap into our inner wisdom to find out what to really do about it. Now, next week on Live Your Life, Not Your Diagnosis, I'm talking to Helen Malaburn. She's coming to us from the French Alps. She's a Hashimoto's recovery specialist and a nutritional therapist. And she's living with Hashimoto's and I think two or three other autoimmune disorders as well. Her story is pretty crazy, but it's also really relatable. And she healed herself and is sharing her story and all sorts of nutritional tidbits with us. If you don't want to miss next week's episode or really any of them, hit the follow button to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Until then, take care. If you like the show, don't be shy. Please give us a five-star rating and review. Follow us on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening right now. To see complete show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit AndreaHansenCoaching.com. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, take care.